What's up, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to a very special episode of HCS Pro Talk, your weekly Halo Esports podcast. And instead of a traditional podcast, we have a gentleman here who I've been waiting to have on the show for quite some fucking time. Um, I, I think we've talked about this months and months and months ago, and now yeah. we're finally fucking getting it going. It's Richie. It's Shirzy. Shirzy, how you doing? Doing very, very well, folks. Um, happy to be on here chatting Halo and all things broader than that. The, the wide umbrella that is My Crazy Life. <laughs> is this an MTV show now? It's My Crazy Life featuring Shirzy? Yeah, I will I will show you the crib at some point, but not where the magic happens. Oh, oh. man, I can't wait. So you're going to, please tell me you're going to be lifting up your camera and then giving us the oh, whole entire well, tour. I, I That would be a great idea, only I just changed the camera. Now, the cable on the old camera was quite good, but the new one's not, like, this is the old camera, so that, that cable was quite good. But sure. The new one, not, new one not so much, it's quite short. Okay. Okay, it's understandable. Uh, Shirzy is an esports caster and commentator for the HCS. And like I said, it's been a long time fucking coming since we were finally able to get you on. Um, a lot of that being my fault because we just haven't Your planned fault, anything. Yeah. Yep. He, for the viewers at home, he is pitching this as though I was really difficult to track down and I was the one that was making all the problems, you know, being the talent on the show here. But the actual issue was he kept saying, let's do a show. And I kept saying, yes, let's do that. And then I heard nothing for months. So it's all on him. I accept this responsibility. Um, yes. I accept this uh, feedback criticism. that has been given Criti to it's, me. It's more, it's criticism. Carry yes. On. Uh, sure, you can go fuck yourself. And uh, this is a too. thank you so I much. This is a too. great interview, and I hope I'm just kidding. Um, we had a, we had a good run. We did. It was great. <laughs> All right, show's over. Uh, no, it's sure is 100 correct. Um, a lot of things have been happening on this side of the pond, I guess you could say, and it we just weren't able to get anything going. Um, but we finally have some time now, especially with the off season taking place that I'm like, okay, I'm finally going to take this opportunity. I'm going to get you on. We'll get this shit going. And here we are. Magic so there is we are. happening. The magic right is happening. Right um, okay. First up, Shirzy, first question I have for you, regardless of being the home of Guinness, mm -hmm. what makes Guinness taste better when it's from Ireland? Oh, I'm not sure if it's to do with the amount of time that it's spent in one place or if it's still with traveling. Uh, one thing I know is over in the States, you guys, when you put them into cans, I don't know what happens, but all of the good stuff seems to lose all of its potency. I'd say having just recently been to the Guinness factory with um, Golden Boy, mm -hmm. that stuff was so, so good. Like straight from the tap. I think anything, I, I can't, it's almost ruined Guinness for me from this point on that I can't drink it anywhere else. That's probably including Dublin, because when you have it from the top, it's a totally different experience. And I would encourage anybody, if you get to Ireland, and you might not necessarily like Guinness if you've had it elsewhere, but give it a try. Give it a whirl while you're over here. How far away is uh, the Guinness location from Dublin? Um, so it's smack bang in the middle of city center. Um, fun story about Guinness is that Arthur Guinness, who was the one who founded the Guinness, mm -hmm. um, he actually has a... 9,000 year lease on the factory. So they never bought the factory or the land. They got a 9,000 year lease, which they're only you know, a hundred, couple of hundred years into, which is super wild, but it's smack bang in the middle of Dublin city. So from anywhere from like Temple Bar, you're walking 10 minutes max and you're right at the door. So it is a lovely, lovely spot. So here's my question then. Would the price to lease that property just 
exponentially get greater instead of just buying it outright at that time? I don't know what sort of wizardry they managed to craft up, but they have like the whole lease and it's like on really old, you know, something is like really cool when it's on really old paper and it's sure. aged. Sure. Um, the, the ink is almost completely disappeared. But <laughs> it's like, I don't know what benefits they were getting when they could have just handed over a few shillings at the time, but whatever deal they got, it must be worth it in the end. That That's insane. So unrelated to Guinness, but yes. related to where you are from, because I imagine that, uh, that Luna's with you right now. You mentioned that before we started recording the show that you have a birthday coming up and you'll be 32. So happy mm-hmm. early birthday. I'm going to say in terms of recording this, I appreciate you. Absolutely. And then happy belated birthday to your dog, Luna, who just turned one at the end of October. She did. Uh, she did. what's the story behind the majestic pup? So, um, towards the end of last year, um, we had a, we had a German shepherd. It was technically, the German Shepherd lived in Mam's house, but I grew up with it, you know, anywhere from 18 onwards. And we got news that she was a little bit unwell. She wasn't herself towards later, like almost around Infinite's launch last year. Um, and my girlfriend and I wanted to get a dog for the longest time. And we were going to get a German Shepherd, but we found out that Nala, who was the German Shepherd, had um, cancer. So it felt really messed up to then get another German Shepherd because it would feel like I was replacing her. Sure. And that dog, that dog was irreplaceable. So we've got Luna in December. Um, and unfortunately, Nala passed away in the January. So it was very little time for them to, to even meet because she was still a pup. You're supposed to keep them away from each other for like 15 weeks or so. Um, but I always wanted to get a dog and happy I did because she is totally different to Nala. She's the most loving thing that I've ever seen. She says she sits down when I'm on walks. She'll sit down. If she sees people across the road, she'll sit there and wait for them to walk by her to see if they give her love. So wow. she's the most incredible, friendly little dog. And um, I'd be lost without her. She runs this house. Yeah. Uh, women typically do run the house, whether it be uh, yeah. a person or a pet. It does not matter. Um, well, that's awesome. Congratulations to you. Uh, and as a recent dog owner myself, mine will turn one um, in January. Uh Yeah. She is, I agree with you on the running the house front. That's for sure. Um, let's move into the casting and content creation side of things here. So mm-hmm. I know a little bit of it, but what is your casting story from the humble beginnings of Europa Halo all the way to the biggest event of the year with the Halo World Championship? So it's it's like super, I don't know. Um, so we started. I started competing in... I'd say originally competing in like Gears of War way back, um, the original Gears of War, playing tournaments in Ireland. I was part of one of the, the best Irish team. Um, we won everything there was to win here. Uh, we never got to travel internationally. Uh, we were only 15, 16 at the time. And back then, it was very hard to convince your parents, parents that you wanted to travel across the world off your own pennies, uh, particularly when you don't make pennies yourself. It comes out of your parents' pockets. So Gears of War was where I fell in love with competing. Um, and then... I completely missed out on Halo 3 because when that first launched, it had power drains and all sorts of nonsense. So I went, I was like, I don't want to play this game. I'm going back to Gears of War. So I played that for another couple of years. Um, and when I got back into Halo 3, my brother Dean was playing it competitively, playing MLG. He loved the game. He was trying to get me to come back for a very long time. But it got to the point where I would not played it enough to be anywhere near, near the level that some of these players have been playing for years. So Halo 3 almost completely passed me by, I'll be honest. Outside of just playing social games and playing with my friends. Um, Halo 2 was where I fell in love with Halo 2. Actually, Halo 1, um, one Christmas, 
playing Xbox. Uh, Dad got got the Xbox for Christmas. We played four-way split-screen snipers, and we actually used assault rifles because we didn't think the pistol was so good. I wish I had that information now <laughs> or back then because uh, that pistol is quite strong. Yeah. Um, but then what happened was I competed in Halo 5 um, in Wembley, or at Wembley, rather. Um, didn't do too well. Didn't do awful, but in, st- in terms of actual talents, finished top 24, so not very good at all. Uh, distinctly average, I would say. Um <laughs> Discovered discovered that, you know, maybe being a professional player wasn't going to be the route or the avenue I was going to take. And randomly, so I stopped playing and randomly I got a message off uh, Mark Onset. We chatted back and forth. We'd, we were friends at the time, but not exactly close friends. But we played FIFA a lot. We would share tactics and stuff back and forth and play weekend league. We go through the wars together. And he happened to just message me saying, listen, there's a an observer role. Um, you'll be observing with Wonderboy yep. um, if you're interested in doing that. So I jumped in. I was like, absolutely. Why wouldn't I want to work on the game that I've loved since Halo 1 for like 20-odd years now? So yeah, get me. where do I sign? So I went over to London, done some observing for GFIN, and then I was like, oh, I really enjoy this side of, of things. Not not competing, but either behind the camera or around the camera. That's actually some really cool shit. So I was like, Europa Halo were looking for casters. I think Caitlin tweeted out that they're looking for people, anybody they could, they could get their hands on. I was like, I'm, I'm going to give that a whirl and see if where it can take me because worst comes to worst, you know, I'll be awful. And I can, like, I can say, well, I gave it a try. And my first few casts were pretty, t- like looking back at it now, if I was to watch it back, I would say that was abysmal. Absolutely. <laughs> really, really bad. But I had enough fun because it was, a, it was like a try cast with me, Joe sketch and Kaylin. And I would just chime in every now and again, not really adding much value, but I was like, I'm having enough fun that I'll keep pursuing this. Um, so I knew I needed to improve, grinded my arse off, would check VODs, would ask Onset for help, would ask Dan Gaskin for help. They would give me points and tips. And obviously we were doing it for Europa Halo every week or every two weeks. We, so I got a lot of reps in, um, managed to get some of those boys on the show, managed to get Wes over, managed to get Dan on the show at some point. Um, so got really friendly with them. And I think all the help that they gave me, I was able to finally you know, tune this magic that I have. Um, and turn it into something somewhat decent and presentable. And I think all I needed then was an opportunity and Halo Infinite came out and thankfully um, Richard Sims, who was going to be a part of the program, he hit it big as a billionaire, millionaire, gazillionaire, whatever happened to him, (laughs) he managed to make lots of monies. And that meant that he didn't need to do so much casting. And so he took a step back, which, you know, opened the door for Tony and I to go in there and get a couple of extra reps and get a couple of gigs and, from there on out, I think Tony and I have hit the ground running and we're almost, I would say, a mainstay. Almost. We're getting there. If it were up to me, you would 1000% be a mainstay alongside Tony, obviously. Um, and for those who don't know, Tony is why not be reckless. Um, and also, so what was the feeling like when you got that call, that email, that text, whatever it may have been, that you were confirmed to be um, part of the Halo World Championship casting team? So... I think all, it's almost like the whole year, not not to try and coin the phrase, but a whirlwind of emotion. I think going from originally having the call with the producer and he was like, we want to get you involved in Halo Infinite. Um, we don't know when just yet. We don't know where. And then um, I was doing content. I don't have a couple of comedy skits for HCS while the MCC thing was doing. I think Dan and I had some comedy skits that we put on the show and everybody seemed to enjoy it. And that was where 
I made a connection with the producer and he said, I don't know what, what I want you to do, but I want you involved in some way. Um, so that was like, I was so excited to get that news. Like, I'm going to be working on, I'm going to be getting paid to, to work on a game that I absolutely love. Um, and, and in a scene and in a community that I've been here for years now. So it was amazing. I almost felt like doing cartwheels out the back garden, I think. And then the emotion of being able to not only get on the cast for Halo World Championships, which a lot of people in my shoes who are like desperately trying to chase the goal, you you could do this thing for 10, 12 years and you would never get onto a world championship of the game that you desire. So I was completely floored, humbled by it. Um, a lot of hard work went into it, but a lot there's a lot of people that put hard yards in but never get that opportunity. So super thankful um, that I was able to be in that position, in that spot at the right time. Um, and to then open the show on Championship Sunday. Open the show on Thursday and indeed on Championship Sunday. It was, yeah, it was a real special moment. I think this has probably been the best year of my life so far. Two things. One, that's incredible to hear. And two, I don't remember exactly which cast it was, but when I first, when I saw you for the first time casting whatever it was at that time, just, I had a feeling this is just me, but like, I had a feeling that he's it. He is somebody that I want to listen to. He is somebody that sounds informed. He's somebody that's funny, that's engaging and like, isn't super analytical, can really give it to you just as a normal spectator. And when I saw you like rising up through and obviously seeing you at infinite events and then finally knowing that you were going to be part of the halo world championship. I'm like, it's thank fucking God. They saw it too, because I like you, Tony, the whole rest of the team, there's a reason why you guys are there, right? There's a reason why you guys were chosen to do what you do. And I, I truly, after watching so many other esports as well, and there's so many other amazing casting teams and whatnot, but like, I truly believe that the HCS casting team is one of the best in esports, in my opinion, it's, it's a, you guys are amazing. Yeah. I think we have, um, a really, really special crew. Like talking to some of the guys, they've said that they've been on shows and been part of the programs before. And the casting crew are all almost in competition with one another and they're at odds. And so you have these casting pairs that don't get along with others because they all ultimately, most of the time you'll have a lot of these casting pairs who are all fighting to try and get onto, you know, the grand finals. They all want that spot. And, we all are in a similar position. We all want to be in that grand finals, but we don't begrudge any, like Mark and Andy have been some of my best friends since I've gotten to know them. I think that's the one special thing about this whole crew that we have is that it almost feels like we're a family. We're a very dysfunctional family, excuse me, but um, we're a family nonetheless. I think there's not a single person on the talent team that I can't go to if I had any sort of problem, whether it be professional or otherwise. I think, that whole crew from the bottom of my heart, I love them to death. And the longer I get to work with them and just just siphon though their skills and their their humor and any of the talent that they have, I, I'm like a leech just trying to hang on there for as long as possible and just suck whatever I can, all that knowledge I can out of them and then hopefully use it to, to the best that I can. But a really special team. I have to agree with you there that, um, some like I say, some of the best friends that I've made over the last year or so. You, uh, you make a good point because when we spoke in Seattle, you had mentioned how the HCS talent team truly felt like a family. So 
what is that? I know you kind of hit on it there, but like, what does that actually mean to you? And how do you feel that that's impacted your role on the team? Well, I think not being, you know, first of all, I think from a purely emotional standpoint, I think just a vibe when you go into the green room, everybody is getting along, everybody's chatty, friendly. Um, there's a, a certain vibe that goes around and exudes. And you also, because you're, you see your friends doing well, you're rooting them on and they're rooting you on. And you have this real drive and determination to get better because I see the likes of Mark and Andy and, and Wes and I, I'm working with Dave Walsh and Puckett. You know what I mean? These boys, I watched Walshy play Halo 2 and Halo 3 and dominate the scene. These are players, like, I'm just a fan who happens to have been dropped into a green room and like, I'm working with Dave Walsh. I can't believe it. You know what I mean? It's like one of these strange things where if I told you know that 15-year-old kid that was playing Gears of War and, playing, and watching Halo 3 on, during the MLG days that mm-hmm. one day, you know, Dave Walsh will be a peer. It's like, you'd be pinching yourself. It's like, that's absolutely incredible. I... Like I said, you guys all deserve to be there based off the work that you guys do and the work that you guys put in. So I I couldn't personally be happier with where you guys are within the scene. And we've seen some things happening with like rosters and blah, blah, blah. But I really, really do hope that the group stays. And I'm excited. Regardless of what happens, I'm excited for the future. Now, during your interview with Divine Mind, you'd mentioned that the risk was too high in terms of attempting to go full-time with content, especially during the end times of Halo 5, and that's perfectly understandable. Yeah. So with the release of Infinite and the first competitive season of the game having come to a close, have you been able to take the dive into casting and content full-time, or do you still have that day job? So I had the day job up until February of this year. Um, so I was doing doing both and it just got to the point where I knew I wanted to do this full time. So at any point, if the day job ever got you know, pissed off that I was taking so much time off work and they said, listen, this isn't going to work out. then I would be, I would happily say, listen, there's only one thing I want to do. I want to pursue this. Even if it gets to the point where, you know, I'm out of a job at some point, this is the sort of thing that you have to jump in with both feet, take the opportunity because I can't imagine saying, like, you know, because obviously you have that safety net of wanting to keep a job and paying the bills, and it, it can be quite scary. But come February of the year, they said, like, I was think I was looking for time off to go to sort of Valencia or Rome. I think we planned a holiday. It was one of the two, and I went to them and I said, "Listen, I need I need time off." And they said, "You only had time off a little while ago. I think I'd just been to an event." And I was like, "Yeah, this is sort of how this thing works." So I said, "I, I had to." get do away with the day job um and like i say it's scary because doing this freelance stuff you never really know particularly now during an off season you never really know when your next gig is going to come so you're always hoping that you can keep the lights on for as long as possible but it's one of those things where i have been able to thankfully because of halo do this thing full time and long may it last long may it last indeed um so what folks may not realize is that casting like in any sport is a skill that is practiced and learned over time as someone who did, <laughs> no, I, it is, it truly is. Hell fucking we, we I just talk. Oh no, 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 no. I just no. say words. No, I, I no, just, no, no. We. I just start putting words together. I, I say words one after the other and somehow, sometimes it makes sense. That's all I do. No, Shirzy, we just talk. You guys do something on another level. And the reason why I say that is because I, we know firsthand that you guys do something different and special and it means something because we've tried. We've tried to cast. Yes. Now it's been, <laughs> it's been on the for fun side of things. Don't get me wrong, but we understand wholeheartedly how difficult 
it is and how much of a skill it is. Therefore, as someone who did get their start in the grassroots side with Europa Halo, what have you done over the course of the last year to really hone your own style, your own skill in casting? So I got the most game-changing advice from Onset when I first started casting and he had to listen back and I would always be saying pretty good stuff um, for the most part. You know, I, I, I can do that well at least, um, but it's all to do with hyping up the right moments and not because heavily what you'll do is when you first start off your levels are always up here so that's a great kill and that's a great kill and oh that one's even a great kill and you're always up here and what happens then is if you if every kill is up here then no kill matters no moment in the game matters because you have put everything on the same level so you you almost want your your cast to flow so when big moments happen you spike and then you come, you come down to a lull and what people i think in twitch chats and stuff don't recognize is that they'll say oh, this guy is not hype enough or he's not passionate enough. It's That's not what we're doing. Um, trust me when I say there's nobody that loves casting Halo more than I do and there's nobody that loves watching the gameplay more than I do. And the thing that I've learned about this job is you can't always hype every single moment. You have to pick and choose those moments and when the likes of a chick overkill comes or Lucid rips the face off somebody, that's the moment you give it the beans and not when someone has slid and shot somebody with a battle rifle. You have to pick your moments and it's super important for anybody starting out that you learn that as quick as you can, because it's something that nobody will tell you. Absolutely. So what, uh, alongside that advice, um, do you do like, how often do you do a VOD review? Do you do it with others involved as well? Like what's, do you have any insight as to what the process is? So when shows are coming around, um, Oftentimes what the talent team will do is we'll come together and we'll talk storylines and we'll talk about prep and stuff for things that we want to say and we want to be all on the same page. So I don't want to say at some point that, you know, Cloud9 are really good and someone else say Cloud9 are really bad. You, you want to be sort of telling the whole story for the most part, unless you genuinely disagree with one another, you want to be on the same page. Um, generally, when it comes to VOD reviews, I have done them with, you know, with Onset, I've done them with Bravo, uh, I've done them with Dan, we've done them all together. Um, but one thing that I think we found out is when you're doing VOD review, it's best to do them in small teams. So almost do them do them as your with your duo. So I'll do them with Dan. Mark will do them with Andy because what happens is there's so many chefs in the kitchen. You get so much information, and like the thing about it is, is that Mark has a style, and I have a style. And although we both have the same role, we're play by plays. His style and and mine are not the same. You know he. He has his own way of doing things and I have mine. Now, I will take a lot of the good stuff that Mark has to say and I will try and use them in my casts. Um, but for the most part, I think you have to try and find your own reason for being there. You, you offer something as a caster to the team that nobody else does and try and use, you know, what got you a ticket to the dance in the first place. Don't try and mold yourself too much to the point where you're just copy paste what somebody else is. So when it comes to VOD review, what I do is I'll jump in with Dan I'll say, Dan, what are the things that I can do that can make your job easier? What are the things that I need to set you up for? And he'll say, hey, in this game here, you'll see at this moment, I want really had this point I wanted to say, and he just didn't give me room. So then we will develop things like if he has something to say, he'll point his finger out so I will know to naturally pass it off to him. So there's small little things like that where I know he wants to say something, and then if, if I want to jump back in, he will hand it over quickly if some big moment is about to happen. So it's one of those things where you work in tandem with one another because – where when you're in a team, you're in a you're in a duo, and I want to make Dan look as best as possible because, and he wants to do the same thing in return because 
the water's rising for the both of us and they can only really be good things. Absolutely. You always bring up the concept of duos here and we've seen it consistently without within competitive halo, right? You talk about um, an onset in Bravo, you and Dan, Tony and golden boy, right? So how do these duos necessarily form? So I think for the most part, um, Andy and I was, about to say, I was about to say Andy and Bravo, Andy and Mark. Um, I was close those too. Two, yeah, it's, it, it happens all the time, <laughs> trust me. Um, so those two have casted Halo for a very long time together, and they're also really good friends. Um, with I was originally um, not even in a pairing. I think Dan was paired with Wes for a long time. Um, and as Halo Infinite came out, Dan and I started to cast some of the European shows. And as well as, well as those like outside of the game being best friends, we were like, we're both doing this job. I wonder what it would sound like if we both came together. You know, we have a friendship aspect. We have, you know, we both obviously, he does play, I do play by play. He does color. Let's try and smash this together and see if it, if it can work. And sometimes it will work with casters and sometimes it won't. And thankfully for me and Dan, it works really well, but there are other casting pairs that have obviously, they tried to do something. It hasn't worked. And ultimately they've ended up having to go with somebody else. And, it's one of those things where you don't know if it's working until you sort of give it a roll of the dice and see how it sounds. Awesome. Thank you for that insight. So through all this, okay, here we go. Uh Oh yeah. I have some shit to fucking throw at you. Sure. I'm fucking here for it. Well, first (laughs) is first is a compliment. First it's a compliment. And then it turns into like, what the fuck? So throughout your halo casting career, you've been the author to some of the best and hilarious one liners, phrases and terms in competitive halo with sizzle sticks being one of the greatest names being uttered. Um, do these just come to you during a cast naturally in the heat of the moment? And where does, uh, the inspiration for these even come from? Um, so sizzle sticks, for most part, everything comes to me like on the spot in the moment. Um, and there are a lot of things I will blame Dan Gaskin for, for not passing it over to me in time when I had some really good fucking lines <laughs> that I couldn't land <laughs> because Fuck he kept you, on talking. All right. But I will say for the most part, it all comes to me naturally and just in the spur of the moment. I think that's why Dan, for a fact, because one of these things that I like to do is I will try and make Dan laugh while I'm casting. So if I, if I can make Dan laugh while I'm casting, I know somebody else is going to laugh too. If only four people in the crowd laugh, that's good enough for me because some of the references I make are pretty niche. But for Sizzle Sticks, it was one of those things where we were playing Aquarius and we went over and it was like, oh, someone get the dynamo grenades. And I was like, I am not fucking saying dynamo grenades for the rest of this game. I'm not doing it. It's a mouthful. There's too many syllables. What's the funniest thing we can do? And eventually I worked out, I worked out Sizzle Sticks. Was like, that's what I'm going to call them from now on. And then it's just one of those things that has, has grown almost beyond me. Can I ask you a favor? No. Okay. Oh. No, go on, carry on. Um, <laughs> if, the, show. if the Mangler ever becomes un would can mm-hmm. you, just for me, can you throw in a Mangly Dangly? Yeah. Thank you. Even if, even if I see it on the wall, I might just say, oh, there's the old Mangly Dangly. Thank you. Past. I can do that. Thank yes. you. Please. That's not a problem. All right, here comes the dig. So speaking of sizzle sticks, where the fuck are our shirts, mister? I've got boxes of merch I'm peddling over here. Yeah, that was a lie. That was a oh, lie. Wonderful. I'm not peddling loads. <laughs> you people need to understand that I am just smoking mirrors. That's all I am. I'm not peddling. I've made three t-shirts, right? One for Jen, one for me, because it was going to be on the show. And then the idea and the joke was to have Dan Gaskin walk behind us and model one. So the whole joke was to pretend like 
I was going to sell t-shirts. And it actually got me in a little bit of trouble because DreamHack were like, can you not try and sell stuff <laughs> you're on the show? We have sponsors. And I was like, no, I'm not actually selling them. It was all a bit, it was a skit. So yeah, um, Sizzle Sticks t-shirts are not coming anytime soon unless I can maybe get the patent for them and maybe ask 343 if it's okay if I even put them on a t-shirt in the first place. So I don't know the legal ramifications of it all, but I probably can't sell them. So hypothetically speaking, if you were to somehow make two more of said sizzle stick shirts and then were somehow able to put them into a shipping package Mm -hmm. and then somehow get a label on them and then somehow ship them to the United Mm -hmm. States, that being Minnesota and that being our address. And we somehow some way have them in our possession Mm -hmm. and we may or may or may not compensate for them being Mm -hmm. sent to us. Could we make that happen? I'm thinking in a purely hypothetical standpoint in which, you know, the logistics of it is possible, let's say. And the printing of said T-shirts was possible. And perhaps if money was involved, and it was maybe not even the past hands, but if something happened where money fell somewhere, it could probably happen. It could probably happen. I don't know. But it maybe could happen. That's all I could say. Okay. And we're all speaking in hypotheticals yeah. here. This is all Hi- hypotheticals. Purely hypotheticals, yep. uh, three for three, uh, at Microsoft. Don't, no, don't come for your boy. Yes. <laughs> 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 um have you ever like caught dan off guard during a cast with something you've said to make him laugh to like get him out of it for a split second yeah there's been a few there's been a few ones where i've I, like made him wobble i think um at one point we were playing it was a strongholds game we were casting online and he mentioned something about the script he's like oh the script the script the script has been flipped and then um respectful happened to be like back tower and I said, speaking of the script, respectful here, Back Tower still alive, but he's barely breathing. And it was one of those things where <laughs> it, caught, it, it caught down in the moment because I don't know if you're familiar with the band, the script, but that's yes. one of those, that's one of their lyrics, you know, I'm still alive, but I'm barely breathing. That that's is one of their lines. So, so I spur, and there's like loads of different like nonsensical stuff that I will say just to throw Dan off because it's one of my favorite pastimes. It's it, like, this is why I love when you guys have those quips like that, because you have them all the time. And then during a, during one of the world's series, um, fucking Walshy puts out a Kendrick Lamar reference that just blew me the fuck away when he said it. And I'm like, this is, this is the shit that I live for. It's the little things that they just throw in there. And you're like, aha, I understood what you said. Oh, yeah. Man. It's one of, it's one of those, it's definitely one of those things. Like when I'm making references, like I'll, We'll do like Lord of the Rings stuff all the time. We'll do Harry Potter things. Like, but there are a few niche ones that I'll say. Um, I think at one point I mentioned um, why like, was the bottom bazaar and his team were all, uh, there were three dead. He was the last one up. And I said, um, Ryan Noob, Ryan Noob um, all his friends are dead. They pushed him to the edge. I said something like that. And then I got one person who sent me a tweet who said, I, know, I appreciate the shit out of that. It's like, how did you manage to work that into a cast? It's like one of those things where it all happens supernaturally. It's like, if it comes and it fits, it's like, I'm going to throw this out there and maybe four people will enjoy it, but that's all that matters. That is all that matters because it's the ones that do. And the ones, like you said, that send you the message. It's like, oh shit, yeah. people do pay attention. And it's, it's amazing. <laughs> people are listening. That's great. Yes. So you went the path of the commentator, your brother, Shirzy too, and cousin Cristola with the path of the player. At what mm. point did you and your brother choose your own paths? Um, I think it was very clear um, that, particularly when it comes to Halo and probably most FPSs now, Jersey 2 has surpassed his, his older brother. You know, I've done what I come with him. I molded the clay as much as I could, but at some point you have to let the duckling go. Let him 
find his own, forge his own way. Um, it was clear to me that he was far better at the game than I was ever going to be. And any time that I asked him to team with me, it was purely to try and maybe get myself a few extra placement points. points. That's all it was really for. Um, but him and both him and Chris were at a very clear level where they're like, oh shit, these two have the potential to do it professionally if they give it all they can. And if, and the most, it's almost in the same breath as with casting is that you need the opportunity. You need a team to see something in you and just say, just to give you that one chance Let's pick him up. You need a, like a top four, top six, top eight team has to give you the chance to you know to really shine because for the most part, that's the problem with these amateur players is we're not short of talent in the amateur scene from top 32, top whatever, say whatever number you want. There are players playing on teams in the am scene that 100% have the ability and the skill to play on a professional level. But if you don't get the opportunity from some of those teams because it is very clicky and niche. You, it, you know, you have to be friends with them and they have to you know, maybe you, you do a few scrims or whatever the case may be. You need an opportunity from the big dogs to send the ladder down to pick up some of these players. And it doesn't happen often enough. I agree with that. It really doesn't feel like it happens enough, especially with now we understand that Halo Esports is probably, well, it is biggest in North America versus the other regions that it's a part of. And we want to see expansion within other regions, obviously. And the signing of Quadrant as a partner team is probably one of the biggest things that could happen in that sense. But yeah, it, it I, like I mentioned previously, we do see, we are seeing organizations and we are seeing teams getting dropped. We're seeing organizations leave right after the first year of Infinity Sports. And like I said, all I can hope is that this is simply a, a speed bump and again, this is hoping, right? This is like copium right now, but like, I'm hopeful that this is just a speed bump and we're able to really launch into something bigger and better. And hopefully that would include more organizations entering the EU space, um, other regions in general, more of those AM players, like you're talking about getting picked up and really given that opportunity to showcase their skill because we, all I want and all we talk about on the show consistently is how much we want more competition within other regions to really give it to the North American teams. Because yeah. how, I mean, hell, we talk about, you see, well, we, the, the best placing an EU team got all year was top eight. And obviously Ascend looked to be that powerhouse that really could start to take it to the North American teams, but nothing really showed up there, unfortunately. And yeah, I just, I really hope it happens. I hope that more AM players come out, make it to the pro level, just make an upset like crazy at a LAN event uh, at a major and it's only going to bring more eyes to the competition as well. I'd just love to see it. Yeah. I think it's one of those things where the players themselves have to help and have the ambition to push beyond, you know, just getting that top 12, top eight, eight placements. I think, and all these different regions have different goals, right? You look at Latam region, they desperately want to get there and maybe make those top 12 placements because they've been struggling. They've been getting like top 16 and they don't look like they've been able to push past that. You've got the A and Z region. You've got divine mind. You've got chiefs. They've, they're struggling whenever they come over just to try and win a series most of the time. So I think they need to try and put together a real powerhouse roster. And like you said, it looked as though Ascend had figured that out. And then, of course, turmoil happens. They drop Shady and pieces start to fall everywhere. And before you know it, they pick up Respectful. And although Respectful in his own right is a brilliant, fantastic player, he doesn't offer the same things to you that Shady does. So you can't just replace these players and expect to see the same level of success. So I think it's one of those things where these rosters need to stay together. And sometimes you need to look at it 
you don't have to get along with your team. You know, they're, they're, they're teammates, not not mates. You have to. Wes Wes said something profound, and he does this every now and again. He'll drop a nugget. Most of the things Wes says is nonsense. I'll say on record. <laughs> but every now and again, Wes will say something, and he's he had a, he said he teamed with a lot of people that he didn't necessarily get along with. But if they were the players that meant he could push on and perhaps win a championship, he had no qualms about teaming with them. And I think a lot of players in this day and age seem to just want to play with their friends. And when that happens, you just don't win tournaments. Speaking of that. Actually, two points. So the Wes Clutch Price scenario that you just brought up there, yeah. um, I was actually, I didn't have this jotted down, but I was thinking in the back of my head, I was going to ask you in a joking matter, uh, do you believe half the shit that he says on a broadcast anyway? This is a joke. This um, is just a joke. Well, I, I love I love Wes' death. And for the most part, Wes is pretty spot on with every single take that he, that he has. Now, every now and again, something will happen and... It's almost to the point where Wes almost has a near perfect record, but when he drops the ball, he does so in just the most elaborate fashion. So, like his wild card predictions? Oh, his wild. So <laughs> let me talk to you about Wes Clutch's definition of what a wild card is. I right? know, I know. Did you see this? Did you see this thing on Twitter? Oh, He's yeah. like, a wild card is something that a team that you expect to do better. It's like, no, 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 Wes Clutch. A wild card is you don't know what to expect because they're wild, Wes. <laughs> That's, the, That's the point of them. They could win. They could also finish top 16. <laughs> Where's Clutch? Get it together. Oh, I fucking love and to this so day, much. To this day, he will not concede. He will not say that I was right. That's the one thing about Wes Clutch, right? I don't know whether it's the Southern man in them, but he will not uh, accept defeat. For the he record, for the record, for anybody that is wondering what the fuck we're talking about right now, go look up that VOD of the broadcast because they do go at it on the desk. Like it's genuinely fucking hilarious when the when the when their predictions are shown, and they had a wild card option. And I, it was did Wes pick phase? Was that? He picked phase. Yeah. yeah. And it's just, it, it, it evolved on the desk. It was hilarious. Yeah. Wes, unbelievable. And then he tried to say that his predictions were better than everybody else's and that he was first. When and he was he wrong. Because I was first. I was first. I got every team right except for one little swap and change. It was me. All right. But he will not admit. So, yeah. But Wes, I love you. I love you. I, I was so fucking I funny. Um... <laughs> And then I kind of, oh, I, here's, okay, so talking about rosters and teammates not necessarily needing to get along with one another, like buddy buddies, but just work together mm -hmm. on a team. Um, let's talk about briefly Ascend and also E United as an aside here. So would you have not made that change on Ascend? Because it seems like from the outside looking in, from the outside looking in, when they picked up Respectful, it felt like they just everything just went the way it was going. They were winning everything in the EU, and they were necessary. They were getting kind of the same placings over here when they'd come over. But it seems like everything was fine. But you being more alongside with that region, what were your thoughts? Well, it didn't seem like Europe was never going to be the problem for Ascend. And even though when they made that change, Europe became a little bit tougher for them. They weren't getting those you know three four zero sweeps. They were starting to get a couple of three twos and all of a sudden things weren't looking as strong as they were, but it was always going to be the global stage, but that was going to be the problem. Particularly we had seen respectful get flipped outside of his head, you know, dumped out in Kansas city with Navi. And then he had a really good run. You know, he got dropped off Navi and things looked as though they were going to be going a little bit badly for him. And then he played with online warriors and he got a second place, I think beating out Navi at one point. And 
I think at that stage, Ascend obviously had problems with Shady and we're trying to get rid of him one way, shape or another. So if it becomes completely untenable and it's one of those situations where if you don't make a change, then there's going to be a capitulation in some way, shape or form, then absolutely make that change because you're basically given absolutely no alternative. But if you're looking at it from a point of, let's say I'm whatever player had a problem with him, it doesn't matter. You can just put a name above my head and I have a problem with Shady. The thing that you have to then think of, am I cutting off my nose to spite my face now at this point? Is, is that what's happening? Am I going to perform worse because I don't like my teammate? Or can I at least see out the remainder of the year? Because that, that they made that team change. And now Shady, who was, on, was the, one of the best, if not the best European player for many years now, dating back to Halo 5, he now doesn't win HCS Valencia because of that, that change. So he doesn't have a land chip under his name in Europe. And then also on the broader scale of things, they had just had an amazing placement in Kansas City. I believe it was Kansas City top eight. They make that change and they just regress. And I think you have to at some point say, I want to make this, if I'm the player, I want to make this change eventually. But if I can't get a player that is on the level or improves us, do I hold out for the rest of the year and just play with what we have and stick to what we have? Because it's, might not be working on a personal level, but it's certainly working when we actually play together. So I think it's one of those things that you have to analyze and only they will know, but whether they regret making that decision or not, but one way or another, they made it and, you know, the cookie did crumble. Understand that. Now on the polar opposite side of the spectrum, we have the roster that I thought would never work out in a million years. Turns out it didn't work out anyway. And yet here we are. Uh, So, in terms of players that are not friends outside of the game, but had to work together in the game, you had to United with Spartan and Ryanoob. Did you ever see that working out? Because clearly we know what happens now, but like at that time, what they took second at Raleigh and they didn't really do well after that. I mean, what they were, they were a consistent top four team. Yeah. Basically well, they went like they went, they went, I think they actually went like second, third, fourth, top six. So, as the year progressed, they slowly sort of moved outside of every tournament that went on. They lost a little bit. And I think a massive problem that they had was they were really good with the sandbox, particularly early on. The likes of the Mangler was really good in their hands. They knew how to work it. Particularly you have players like Wyanoop who just stands in the most unorthodox spots and he picks off a few couple, like a few kills. I think the issue with then the Mangler being GA'd, although much of it was like they were involved in that conversation. They wanted a GA just as much as anybody else did. But I think it hurt them a little bit more than it did everybody else. And I think if it's a results-driven business, and I think if you're at a point where you finish second place and, you know, Spartan and Ryan, they're having conversations and think everything looks good. It's like, all right, we finish second, we make a couple of adjustments and things will get better. And as things start to unravel and all of a sudden now you're in a situation where all of these players, for the most part, I'm not going to, like, I'm not pointing fingers because I don't know the ins and outs of teams and the the, the, the dynamics. But at some point, whether whoever's play style, whoever has the idea of how they want to play, let's say Ryan Noob says, I want to play this way, and they start playing that way, and it doesn't work. All of a sudden, I have someone to point my finger at. I'm blame, blaming Ryan Noob, or I'm blaming Spartan for why this isn't working out. And these players are all terrified of getting dropped and don't really want to get dropped because they're on partner teams, they're salaried, and most of the time, if you get dropped off one of these top teams, you just, you, you plummet. Your stock plummets, and that's what happens. So you you desperately want to cling on to the spot that you have. So the easiest thing to do is point fingers at your teammates. And those two were 
they went from enemies to it was working out. They looked to be friends, and now they're back to being the best of enemies again. Um, so I think that was one of those situations where they didn't get along probably personally, but they recognized one another for having unbelievable Halo ability. And eventually it all came to a catastrophic end with Spartan basically downing tools on E United and saying, I don't care, I'm not playing, you know. So there is there is things that I I'm, I bet Spartan regrets some of the th- things that he maybe said. And I same thing with Ryan Noob because they got themselves into a situation where Spartan benches himself. Um, just another one of those situations where he's cutting off his nose despite his face because he probably reckons at some point he's going to get picked up regardless and it'll work itself out because United are forced then. It's like when in real sport, when a football player says, I'm not playing, I'm not coming to training anymore. Well, it's, it's like, what do you do? You still have to pay this player's wages. You're still hemorrhaging money. So you have to work out a solution. So Spartan has forced United's hand and it was always going to be, it was always going to go ugly as most of these things do. You, you never really settle these things, these things amicably. So I think for Spartan, it's good that he got out from under all of it and he ended up on phase and really good placements. He played really well with the phase team, although probably didn't match his ambitions in the end with, with the world's placement, particularly with how it all went down. I think for Ryan Noob this year, he'll get to start again, particularly after the news that that whole roster has sort of been diced up and put in a blender. So it's going to be a clean slate and I'm actually really excited to see what's, what ways these rosters all shake out. I think we're going to have a really good year too. Yeah. Roster mania has already been fucking insane. And then today, uh, we're recording on a on a Sunday. Uh, today, just more news even dropped. So it's like, oh, we're having fun. Um, <laughs> so moving back, tell, tell the people what happened. Tell the people what happened. Give oh, for, well, well yeah, okay. For those who don't know, uh, Cloud Nine dropped their roster, and uh, we we can't can't dive deeper. But from the words of the tweet, it sounds like they won't be in Halo any longer as the organization. So the reason why I say that is because in United's tweet that they put out when they dropped their roster, it's in their tweet. It sounded like they'd be back for season two, like the, the organization would be back in cloud nine's tweet. It's not, it doesn't sound like they'd be back for season two of HCS. So we'll just have to, in the words of our show, we'll just have to wait and see what happens there. Um, but I, I imagine that by the time this interview releases, everything will be out there anyway. And there's that. So. Yeah. Because I would imagine if you're a, an org like C9 and you have what has arguably been the second best roster, they've already won two chips. I don't think you drop that roster and stay in Halo and go on and get a better roster. I don't think that happens. So exactly. The writing is definitely on the wall and it doesn't look good for Cloud9 or old friends over at Cloud9. Exactly. And uh, like I said, we're recording this on a Sunday and tomorrow when we normally, when we're going to normally do our actual show, uh, space station is set to announce what their roster is. And rumors are now floating around that it's going to be the old C nine roster. That is now going to be space station. Now, Shirzy, uh, like, because this is a personal interview. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I know we've had discussions around SSG in the past. SSG have a good team. Yes, maybe <laughs> there it is. Let's that's, see. that's really what I was getting at is that if they do Yay. actually pick up C9, they'll actually be worthwhile to rep their merchandise. So there you go. They have the best merch in the business. They do. So hands down this, the hoodies are so comfortable. So, um, mm-hmm. head on over to space station.com. That might not be the link. And you use code Jersey for absolutely no, <laughs> you'll, get an, you'll get an error message, but I'll tell you something, their hoodies are top class. 
I will say uh, this deal won't be going on anymore by the time this releases, but uh, for their Black Friday deal, if you spend $100 on their store and they elder, a lot of their shit's heavily discounted. If you spend $100 on their store, you get a free um, blanket hoodie. So people who are watching this show, all you have to do is go back in time by a week <laughs> or two to really avail of that deal. Get yourself a bargain. <laughs> That's exactly what you need to do is just invent, invent time travel if, in case it doesn't already exist. Um, okay, moving back to a more personal aspect because we derailed completely with the whole That's roster. No, 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 That's no, no. It's fault. not your fault. This is kind of the nature of our show even is yeah, that we derail. Yeah. Um See, here's the thing about having a show like this. You can't have rails. You have to be given the freedom oh, yeah. to move. Right? Oh, you got yeah. to just be able to float. That's what you got to do. Like, like a bag in the wind. We're just going to float around here. We're mer- mercurial. Is that the word? I, I know, that's far thing. too many syllables. That's, that's, <laughs> enough, that's too much for me. <laughs> um, so, again, moving back to a personal aspect, uh, when you were a wee lad, uh, how important was it to have a father that was so involved within the gaming scene to help shape your own future? Yeah, I think I owe a massive part in, first of all, just me playing games to begin with, with my dad, because I was really into sports growing up as well. Um, Really, I would say a pretty decent football player, Um, would go and play for my local team, was pretty good. And then one faithful Christmas, an Xbox arrived under the tree. Um, And I will say this on stream, right? I'm going to blast dad right here and right now, because... (laughs) He got me an Xbox for Christmas and I was playing Halo. And then all of a sudden the PlayStation that he had became a little bit less desirable because Xbox Live came out and my Xbox became the place to play. So all of a sudden dad's starting to play my Xbox more than I can play my Xbox. And I only get it <laughs> after 6 p.m. And I get it sometimes on the weekend. But um, he did rectify that eventually and he did get me a, a nice crystal Xbox at one point. So... The original Xbox, I don't know if you remember it, it was a crystal one that, that was kind of see-through and silvery. It was really nice. Um, fond memories of it. Um, but I owe a large part of me being interested in gaming down to dad because we always had the latest consoles, the latest games that came out, all the latest titles, whether it be like FIFA, Halo, your Call of Duties, all of them. They were in the house and my friends would come over and play you know, FIFA and stuff because I have all the latest releases on the day. Um, it was one of those things where if not for him, I maybe wouldn't have gotten myself eventually to hear the butterfly effect, I'd like to say. So a big shout out to Papa Shirzy and um, yeah, love you, dad. What was the what was the first game you remember playing with him? Um, yeah, Halo. Well, first game I played with him, Goldeneye. Okay. Goldeneye. Gran, Gran Turismo, Goldeneye. Ooh. Because it was like, we also played like things on the old, old, old consoles, like Rock and Roll Racing. Was it on the Sega? The Super Nintendo, I think it was a Sega, really old game. Anybody, there might be one person that listens to this show, maybe not even that. Rock and Roll Racing, really old game. We're in our thirties, yeah, Jersey. It's okay. Yeah, but Rock and Roll. Do you remember Rock and Roll Racing? Yes. Probably not. You do, Jersey. We grew a, up with it. It had, a bang, it had a banging soundtrack as well. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think rock, so many games. I think, but the first one I think I remember vividly is playing Time Splitters because we would get the multi-tap out. We yeah. play split screen across all four of us. So be myself, dad, my brother, Dean, and then my best mate would come around and we play four player. So naturally it'd be me and my dad because dad wanted to play with me because I was the best gamer in the house <laughs> at that time anyway. Um, and then obviously my best mate would play with my brother, Dean. So yeah, a lot of fond memories growing up in the house, playing PlayStation, Xbox, and then Xbox Live came around. And then at that point, 
we all wanted to have our own consoles. It wasn't cool to have split screen anymore. <laughs> of course not, because once Xbox Live hits, it's like, oh, wait, I can have my own screen and I can still play with you? Yeah, yeah. Rainbow Six Three. Well, I will go down on record to say I think that might have been my Counter-Strike. Um, playing Rainbow Six Three on maps like Airport and Cafe. I don't know. Again, I don't know if I'm preaching to the wrong people, but it was one of the original Xbox games, mm-hmm. Xbox Live games that I played. I remember peeking around corners. You could do little leans and you could have a... G360 was my favorite weapon, by the way. And it'd be one tap would kill somebody to the head. And it was like just so much fun to play. Did you play uh, Rainbow Six Vegas on the 360? I did. It was a terrible game. Wow. That's that's like the one that everybody says they're fond of is Vegas. Uh, It's a terrible game because when you play Rainbow Six 3 and Rainbow Six 3 Black Arrow, it's super tactical and strategic. And it's about smoking and flashbangs and holding doorways. Mm -hmm. But Rainbow Six Vegas is a third person shooter, which... Most of the time doesn't work if the TTK is so quickly because you just stand behind the wall, wait for somebody, kill them, and then stand behind the wall again. And that's all you really do in, in uh, Rainbow Six Vegas. The only reason why I think it works in Gears of War as a, as a third-person shooter is because the time to kill is a little bit longer and you have weapons like shotguns and stuff. But yeah, Rainbow Six Vegas, as far as I'm concerned, that can get in the blender and be deleted for all time. Oh my God. And Gears of War is just incredible in its own right. So let's just be real about that. Yeah. Um. Okay, let's move on to the HCS here. So if you could summarize the 2022 HCS season in one word, what would it be? Is this for me personally or as a whole? I, I guess you could do both, but it's up to you. Go ahead. Uh, but not one word for me, but I would still say it's the best year of my life being involved with the program and meeting and making some of the best friends and meeting some wonderful people in the community like yourselves who, for the most part, we were just... You know, Twitter profiles for the longest time. So finally getting getting to meet people again because Halo 5 towards the back end when I was really getting involved in Halo again um, was on the back burner and it was all online competitions. So I would say from year one, for the most part, I think using one word is success. I think it's a real tale of how, listen, we all know it's well documented. The game struggled for large part, large parts and for many people's eyes, it's still struggling and has a way to go. But I think HCS, for the most part, carried all of Halo Infinite. I think anything good about Halo came from HCS. So I think um, the guys over there, the, the very small team that they have, have done, undertook a massive job and have done so successfully. I think they've done a stellar job with what they had. And I think, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to year two. Awesome. What's been your favorite moment of the 2022 HCS season? Ooh. Moment... I think casting winners finals with Dan in Seattle for Worlds. I think it was one of those moments where after we'd done it, we had a really good year together and we felt like we we both looked at each other and we said, we did it, mate. And it was a, a, a little brief, brief cuddle. Um, I probably held on to him a little bit longer than I should have. I gave him <laughs> an extra squeeze. Um, yeah, so super proud of of me super proud of him and even for the team from a larger standpoint i think we had a really good year and i'm really looking forward to seeing where it all shakes out for the rest of us for for year two absolutely what was your biggest surprise of the year um navi kansas city getting dumped out in top 32 i think never in my wildest dreams would i have considered that team with the talent that was on it caliber player to fall apart so catastrophically complete capitulation from them boys and it was something that i never ever want to see again i'll be honest um 
but yeah, it was one of those things where we were watching. We were, I think we were, they were still playing late, late at night on Saturday to, to try and survive, and they lost to some Gears of War team. I can't remember what the name of them was. Something was it Wolves? Something Wolves? Um, and they, I think they lost to a Latam team as well. So I think, yeah, never really need to see that again from them boys. And hopefully, year two, no matter what way it shakes out, no matter what team they all end up on, um, that Europe has a much stronger showing in season two. Yes, and we know that Wonder Boy is back for a coach for season two of HCS for Navi. So there's one start, and we'll see what that roster shakes out to be if they stick together or some changes happen. Who knows? Um, what was your biggest disappointment of the year? Mm. That's a toughie. Sentinels top six worlds. Sentinels top six worlds is a good one. I think um, probably me not being at rally for the first one um, from a personal standpoint, I think because Sentinels are top six at worlds. Of course, on paper, if you look back, it's like, Oh my God, that team finished top six. But I think they had a run where they played two teams. They, they got eliminated by a team that was in first and, and that finished in second. So it's not like they had some disastrous run. They lost to the two best teams in the tournament. So yeah. you could very arguably see that team finishing top four. So it's not one of those things that, I would look at, I don't even think those boys would look at that and say, you know, that's a outright top six placement. But I think, yeah, from my own disappointment is not being at, at rally, but I think that's the one small blip on an otherwise incredible year. I Yes. And what an incredible year it was. So what are your thoughts on the GAs within Halo Infinite? And for those who don't know, currently, as it currently stands, because yes, while we are in the off season and things are still being worked out. It's also, it's very clear to say currently. Because there might there there may be more. Exactly. So currently there's the mangly dangly, the sword, mangly and the dangly. drop weapon mechanic. And then up for discussion is currently the commando, the plasma pistol, and the pulse carbine. What are your thoughts, Jersey? Um, I think the whole reason why I thought drop weapon was originally done was to prevent people from using the mangler and abusing that. Because I think it was a, a two-shot drop and you could battle rifle somebody and kill them. It was super quick. The drop weapon one was a weird one because if you already gentlemen's agreement the mangler away, I would have assumed that the drop weapon one becomes a considerably less damaging issue. Um, so it was one of those things where I would have personally liked it to stay, but I am also of the mindset was if pro players say something is broken, they play the game a hell of a lot more than me. They can abuse the mechanics. They know exactly what weapons to use at every given time. Then it's one of those situations where I'm quite happy to to hold my hands up and say, listen, if that's what you guys want to do, um, I'm all for it because you guys know what needs to be balanced and what doesn't. And I think it's really telling when a weapon is so strong and players are using the weapon and they say, listen, this gun is so easy. I could get so many kills with this, but I don't want to use it because it doesn't feel right. I think that's something where you have to put your ears, have to peek up and you have to listen and say, all right, well, there's fundamentally something wrong with this weapon. If pro players think it's so good, too good to the point where they're not willing to use it anymore. So when it comes to the commando, um, if you watch, I don't know, people have watched Lucid's gameplay and Royal 2's gameplay. That weapon did not need a buff. And that thing was doing quite a lot of damage on its own. I've seen, now listen, when I use it, it's I'm hitting the stars, I'm hitting, hitting birds. <laughs> Things are falling out of the sky. But in the right hands, that weapon was absolutely lethal. And I could see that. Plasma pistol, as far as I'm concerned, that was always one of those weapons where it's only ever supposed to drain something shields and immediately you're supposed to change weapons. So I don't understand the buff to that weapon either. And with the Pulse Carbine, it's, we're very close to it just being another Storm Rifle again. I think we had this issue with weapons in 
Halo 5. I don't know if you remember. Yep. I remember because I competed in it. You started with assault rifles and pistols and you had radars and there was SMGs, there was plasma rifles, there was all sorts. And it took a very long time, I think two, maybe three years for us to get the optimum sandbox in the game that everybody agreed upon. And I think at that point, it might have been a little bit too late. And I would hope that we don't make the same mistake again and we listen to the pro players and the feedback that they provide because they know best. And I think if they're GAing weapons, then we maybe just need to remove those weapons from the map. Okay, and even then, like, even in Halo 5, they never actually removed radar. Like, it was always there. They just tweaked it yeah. in a competitive sense when we were just like, why the fuck don't you just remove it at this point if if the whole point is just not use it, whatever. Um, all right, so give the pros what they want. And then, finally, what would you like to see improved for the 2023 HCS season? Um, HCS double. I think that's what I want. Uh, that'd be that'd be pretty cool if I can get Tashi to sign off. I don't know where where I go to, what email address I have to pitch to, <laughs> but if I can get a HCS Dublin, so I don't have to get on those really long planes anymore, that'd be pretty cool if I could just stroll to the event. But I think no, I think for the most part, I think um, a competitive sandbox. I think that's a must for the team um, to work on. Get some pro players. They have an insights team. I think they are definitely given the feedback that's required. We just need the people that are above that to listen because. These players are not saying this for the fun of it. I think they know what's best. Um, so I'd like to see some of the competitive rules change and some of the sandboxes change. I think there are maps that I'd like to see removed because they're not incredibly fun to play. And I think we've already gotten rid of one of them. Uh, bizarre. Agreed. Um, hopefully, hopefully with some of the maps that are coming into it, I think I'm really excited to see how the pit plays. It looked a lot of fun when we got to see a little sneak peek of it. Um, so yeah, looking forward to, to year two. And I think if we can get the competitive settings nailed down from the get-go for year two, that would be a huge step in the right direction. Two things. One, may I ask you what that other map that you'd like to see removed is? Um, Sure, because I don't really enjoy Catalyst. Okay. We, I've heard that consistently. So now is that a all-around, or is that like Slayer versus CTF? Um, I can stomach it for, for CTF. Um, I just completely against it for slayer i don't overly enjoy it for flag either but it's one of those things where i recognize that if we just start chopping and changing every map we might be left with very few of them so i think right. it's one of those things where i'm i can tolerate it being a ctf map but not full, like a slayer just i've played the map so much and i've watched so many things the spawn systems on it it's really difficult to control the map it's a lot of guerrilla warfare tactics where you hit a spot and you run and I think for the most part, it just doesn't play like a fundamental Halo map should. Understandable. Um, and when you were talking about you were happy that Bizarre is gone, like I sh I screamed when they announced that Bizarre, it, I mean, CTF is out of the rotation. I was, I screamed with glee. I couldn't believe it. I'm, oh my God. Um, and then would you personally like to see like a separate HCS playlist in the game versus a normal ranked playlist as it currently stands in the game? I think in an ideal world, yes. I think it's definitely something that should be considered um, because we had somewhat, like we've always had MLG settings for the most part for competitive players. Mm -hmm. I understand the argument that there are some players who will naturally play ranked and then want to play. You want to try and have that like that sort of correlation, that cross-pollinization where players are all playing the same settings from the box. But I think the issue is if one, the, the core, hardcore competitive players all recognize the flaws in the, in the weapons um, and the casual players listen. I see 
the wars that Spartan is in and his Twitter mentions and replies. It is a cesspool from left to right. People are arguing back and forth. The one thing I've noticed is don't go to Twitter if you want to have actual conversation because it's not, you know, you just don't have enough characters to be able to have a full fundamental conversation with people. Um, so you're either all for it or you're all against it. Um, but I think for the most part, the things that Spartan says are 100% right when it comes solely down to the competitive aspect of things. I think I'm super okay with casual players wanting to play with whatever weapon and keeping it as is. But if it's one of those things where we're forced to separate the two, because both sides are almost just like swinging at each other now at this point and nobody's getting their own way. Um, so if it solves the argument, then yes, I would agree that a separate playlist is, is the optimum solution. And that's the thing that we try to hit on on the show as well, is that there there are two completely separate types of demographics that play the game, right? You have the hyper-competitive yeah. and you have the hyper-casual, right? I mean, yes, there's an in-betweener as well, but that's, that's kind of the whole point. We want to talk about how this is... What they're talking about, like you said, is strictly from a competitive standpoint. When you're playing at the, when you are one of the best players in the world at that mm -hmm. standpoint, they're not trying to affect the the playlist that you already play and may love. Like that's not the whole point. The point is to get it to a competitive standpoint that they feel confident that they're getting the most balance, the most competition out of. I think the issue is, is that at the moment we're in this middle gray area where the super competitive players are not getting what they want and the super casual players are not getting what they want. Nobody's happy and they're all forced to play the same game. And the best thing to do is just to divide it up, put a wall between both and say, you play what makes whatever makes this game fun for you, pick a side because nobody is winning with this middle of the road stuff right now. Right, just have, you know, two sandboxes and have kids play in one sandbox and have the kids play in the other sandbox. Yeah. Yeah, it's I thought you were going to say adults on the other side are playing the other sandbox. And that no, no, I'm I wasn't going to be I'm an glad asshole. you said kids on both sides. Yeah. No, I was, I was although, using a metaphor of like going say, to a playground. I haven't played in a sandbox in a very long time, but I reckon like, you know, I could still bust out a couple of castles and have some fun. You don't even, you don't know me. Fuck, get some Tonka trucks in there, you fucking watch bulldozers, out. Of, watch all out. Of, all of a sudden, you know what I mean? It's turned into a whole different kind of party. Exactly. Okay. Oh my God. All right. Um, Jersey to close things out here, I have some rapid fire questions for you. Now, every time we do these, they never turn into actual rapid fire questions because everybody just sits there and is like, uh, uh, I don't know. So Jersey, I want you to do your best, uh, like best job at trying to do these rapid okay. fire. Okay. So you want rapid fire questions? So you want rapid answers? Yes. Isn't okay. that the whole point? I understand. Okay. I'm just making sure. We're I, just on want, the I'm just look, I just want a clarification. That's all I'm looking for. Okay, here. Good. That's all I'm looking for. I hope I provided right. that clarification for you. All right, you, you did, but okay. kind of condescendingly, but you did. <laughs> that's, that's my whole job though. Just, just yeah, carry on. Um, you didn't let carry me on. get your drink. So, I mean, you let me got, you get your drink with your fucking voucher. You didn't let me you, buy you a drink. So, so didn't, didn't we both win though? You went, you done the aspect of going to retrieve the drink and I got to stay there socializing whilst you did that. <laughs> Didn't we, didn't we both win in a way? You know, we may have, because I got to look and see a uh, sketch across the way, across the table and him give me a look and give me like a little dance move. So that was, that was, I guess, fun. Right. Um, so I guess, so, so in that regard, you're welcome. Thank you. Yeah, because you thank you, you so much. It wasn't for me. So for making me stand up there for over a half hour. You making you know, it was a clear decision, right? It was a decision that was made. It was, and I abided by it. Um, so rapid fire questions. What's your favorite food? Chicken tikka masala. 
just are you saying that just because you recently had it or what? No, gen genuinely, genuinely is one of my favorite meals. And you asked for rapid fire questions. See, now you fucked us here. I like, did. We were clearly hey, on this the rails. Happened, off by the, the way. rails, Jersey. Off the rails. This never rapid well, you fire. You said here. rapid fire questions, and I was abiding by those rules. It's our show. Don't ask we can for do the fuck we want. Don't ask me to, to, to develop on the question. Right? Chicken tikka masala, and we move. Favorite movie. Black Hawk Down. Favorite musical artist or group? Coldplay. What album? Ooh. This one's not I'm included, not so like you I'm can... Not answer, yeah, I'm not answering that question. I'm not, I see what you're doing. No, no, no. I'm genuinely curious. Mm. Because clearly we're talking old Coldplay, see, right? I, I love... I love... Yeah. I'll, I'll that think, okay, thank you. This, yeah, the stuff with like Clocks and Scientists yes. and Yellow, they're, they're all the bangers. Kay. The new stuff is not for me. No. Back when they were like the best band in the world, Coldplay. Okay. Okay. Um, favorite sport and team? Football, Manchester United. Okay. Now, now further. We're not doing, no, 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 no. We're not doing this. We're not doing this. It's actually called soccer. We're not no, doing no, 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 no. We're, we're clarifying that we are from the United States. So for folks who uh -huh. don't know, he's, yes, no, no, we're no, going to sound uncultured. And, and, that's why, and that's why I said that we're not doing this. Oh, God damn. We're going to leave it there. Okay. You know what? Football no, 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 no. I won't, even say, I won't even say the S word. I'll just say he's not talking about American football. I am talking about football. Exactly. Right. Not you guys American throw football. the ball. You throw the ball. Yeah, you kick it. Right? We kick it too, just in different ways. You kick it once every fucking 25 minutes. That's not true right? at all. You if throw it's shitty it, fucking offense is playing, you kick it way off of the game. That. It's called throw ball, and you catch it and put it in an end zone. You do very little kicking, right? It's Name it something else. Do you know, uh, honest question, because I'm genuinely curious as somebody is still probably rapid fire. No, are we still doing rapid no, this fire. Is okay. this is over now. Right. We're it, completely right, derailed now. Let, 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 let me just tell the people. So this is the part of the show. We're just going to pause the rapid fire questions here because he's starting to deviate from, you know, the very civic thing he said at the top of quick fire questions. So everybody listening, <laughs> he has done this again. Two points for him. Go. Oh, at least I got points for this. At least it's not <laughs> yeah, like I'm, fucking I'm, Harry Potter. No, where I'm, I'm you, if, Dumbledore, if Dumbledore was here, Fucking Slytherin is in the shit house right now. You are <laughs> nailing them, right? You're losing points. You're hemorrhaging points left and right. Let's go, baby. You're in a trip cap. I just won the house cup, bitch. So you're, you're in a trip cap. Go. I, I am. Oh, Thank God. you. Oh yeah, we're playing strongholds now. So, uh, genuine question: Do you know because we we've done this on the show where we're like, oh, where the fuck did the phrase "Bob's your uncle" come from and shit like that? Where did the term soccer come from? Do you know? Um, I'm assuming uh, I, it would only be assumptions from this point, but I'm, I'm assuming because every other country in the world, for the most part, calls it football or some iteration of that. Of course, that the United guys, States has to do it. Different. You guys, you guys had to create a sport. Of course. And then when someone said, what do we call it? Let's call it something that's already extremely popular. You know, let's do that. Is that what America is about? Copyright <laughs> infringement? I mean, that's hey, what, that what it feels like. Let's be real. <laughs> Fun fact, though. I will give you this. Fun okay. fact. So in Dublin, um, the main sport it would be football, right? Mm -hmm. For the most part, you would grow up and you play football. That's what you wanted to play. Yeah. Um, there are two Irish sports. One is called Gaelic football and the other would be hurling. Okay. And Gaelic football, very similar to, to the traditional sport of football, but you're allowed to hold the ball, you kick it and you can, you kick it over the bar. Anybody that's interested, maybe look it up. But in rural parts of the country, if they said they were talking about football, they would, they would be talking about Gaelic football. So they would say soccer as well. Oh, okay. So would so Hurley outside, be considered our American football or is that completely different too? 
What? No, hurling is a totally different sport. Okay. It's not, it's a, yeah, yeah. But in rural parts of Ireland, if they say soccer, they would also be talking about football, our football. Okay. So it has kind of transcended from our nation into others. To a very small pocket of Ireland. Yeah, I would say. Okay. Okay. That's just a fun fact. No, I appreciate it. Again, for people listening, I hope you derailed us initially. God. I did. I did. I own it. This is is HGS Bro Talk, folks. What the fuck did you expect? Exactly. A lot of talking. That's basically it, right? That's basically what we do over here. Yes, with a professional. Uh, Loosely. Loosely. Shut the fuck up. I will accept the term loosely. All right, fine. (laughs) Um, So... What's your what's your favorite Halo game of all time? Halo 2. I include this in here, and I know I shouldn't because I already know what the answer is every single time. And yes, this is still part of Rapid Fire, but what's the worst Halo game of all time? Halo 4. Of course it is. Okay. What's the best place for food in Ireland? Ooh, Leo Burdocks. What do they specialize in? Fish and chips. Okay. What's your favorite video game of all time? Halo 2. Okay. What's your least favorite video game of all time? And please don't say Halo 4. Gears of War 2. Wow. Yeah. In terms of games that I put a decent... Because I can obviously just fire out some obscure game that I played for 10 minutes. But I think a game that I put significant time into and built up in my head that it was going to be this great successor. I think Gears of War 2 let me down on all fronts. So I, I, you can make fun of me all you want. I am going to derail for a second. Why that mm-hmm. though? Like why Gears 2? Um, obviously with Gears of War, it was one of my favorite games. It was a game I competed into and spent so many hours playing. Um, and Gears of War 2, like all the trailers looked amazing. It looked like it was going to be the same game, but just better graphics and a little bit smoother. And yeah. The, the game that we got <laughs> was not that whatsoever. I think you, all the sort of gimmicky mechanics they put into the game um, sort of ruined it for me and spoiled it a little bit. It became less about, you know, how good your shotgun and stuff was because online gaming back then, maybe even online gaming still to this day, um, was really reliant on whoever had hosts and connections. And the Lancer in Gears of War 1 was not that strong, particularly if you were not on host. And Hmm. in Gears of War 2 and almost every Gears of War since then, the Lancer has almost become the primary weapon. I think I enjoyed it a lot more when it was about Snipe rifles and shotguns. Okay. Okay. Now, are you talking specifically from like a more competitive standpoint here? In regards to... Like not enjoying Gears 2? Gears 2. Gears two. Um, no, even casually, I didn't put anywhere near the amount of time that I would have because the mechanics that they introduced, I just didn't get along with. Okay. I can respect that answer for sure. Um, Just really took me by surprise. I was not expecting that. Um, Who is... Now, I know we're one year into Halo Infinity Sports... Is there an unknown player you expect to do big things? Unknown. Or or even somebody who like is within the scene now that you expected to do better that you think is going to do better in year two. I think I expect a big year from Legend. I think for a most part, I think Snakey could be a player that's in line to have a very successful year if he ends up on a on a good roster. I think he's a player that went under the radar for much of last year. I think he's a player that I expect to do big things. And I think um I have my eye on a player like Collect. I think he's a player that had a really successful year one. He just about, for my, you know, just about missed out on maybe rookie of the year because Bound had, had such an incredible year. I think for the most part, I think someone like Collect is somebody that I would have my eye on. 
Absolutely. Who's your favorite Halo player of all time? Walchie. What's your favorite Halo team of all time? Final boss. Do you have a specific year? Don't think so. See, there, see, they had obviously there was they had strong when strong side played for them. It was really good. I also, I want to give a shout out to Wes Clutch and BTH because they did not get the credit they deserved for a very long time. So, Wes Clutch, um, again, I need to stop talking about him because this is only gonna blow his ego that which that's already massive all the way up. No, if you just want to drop it down a few pegs, just say you got to drop off. You got to jump off with it, man. Yeah, yes, but I've used that joke. So I mean, he's almost numb to it at this point, um, or very close to just physically assaulting me if I keep saying it. Oh my god. <laughs> I, I save it for special special occasions. Okay, I can respect that. And then, uh, what was your favorite Halo event of all time? I think also just to rewind, I made a poem about Wes not dropping the ball um, during. When I, I don't know if you meant, remember what I mentioned earlier in the show that I'd done some comedy skits while yeah. during some of the Halo Three MCC shows, and in one of the shows there was a skit about um, Wes not dropping the ball. So there's a, there's a whole whole little poem that's dedicated to him. So. Yeah. So as you can tell, you know, Wes and I probably didn't get off to the best of starts when it came to <laughs> I, the first, the first of him hearing me was probably taking the piss out of him. So, yeah. So I assume that you had to get that green lit ahead of time before it was obviously no, what? No. So I would just, I wrote the poem, put it into a video form, got um, some like footage around it. So I'll, I'll like, obviously in the part where I get to say, there's a part where I say, why, oh, why didn't he didn't Wes Clutch drop the ball? And you can see on the screen, there's him not dropping the ball. It's a whole, <laughs> it's a whole thing. But the guys at HCS, I think, just trusted in me that I knew what was going to be okay for the show and what was not going to be okay. And they found it hilarious. So it got green light, green lit by itself. So, yeah. And it is fucking hilarious. So I, it, I, it really was. Yes. Yes. I made the content and I'm not supposed to say it, but I really enjoyed it. Why can't you? give some self praise you deserve it you earned I it just it I, I i don't know if it's an irish thing but we're really bad at doing that we're really bad at accepting praise it's okay we'll give it to you anyway it makes it makes me feel uncomfortable i don't know why i want to i almost want to take it and give it to somebody else it's like oh, i'm not that good give it to him you're pretty damn good though yeah i kind of yeah <laughs> <laughs> mr humble over here uh <laughs> what's what's your favorite halo event of all time Um, I'm going to say HCS Orlando for my favorite, I think, because the event that was in it, my fiance got to come over and see, like, have her first ever proper live event with a full crowd. And then we also got to do Disneyland afterwards. I think Orlando minus the hurricane, if I can maybe just edit that out from my memory, um, <laughs> was probably the best event this year for me. Um, the final question I have here more on a personal note, because you, you just briefly mentioned it there. Do you guys have a date set yet? We don't, um, fun. Well, I wouldn't say fun fact, depending on who you ask. Um, we had planned, started planning our wedding. Um, I started looking at places, getting dates and yeah, coronavirus that, that became a thing. Yeah. So coronavirus nailed us pretty hard and heavy. So Post pandemic, we realized, holy shit, um, the world can just get shut down at a moment's notice. Maybe we should go out there and start seeing some things before we have this whole extravagant um, wedding. So let's use our money for maybe traveling and seeing a bit more of this big globe that we have and then worry about getting married later because it's not one of the th those things that's going anywhere. Her and I have been together 
since we were 16. So we're going, we're coming up on our 16 year anniversary. Um, she was my first real serious girlfriend and I'm her first real serious boyfriend. So the whole high school sweethearts is well and truly a thing. And um, yeah, so we're not in any hurry to get married just yet. Well, congratulations on you two for being together for so long and uh, her putting up with you and dealing with you it for so not, long. It, it can't, yeah, it can't have been easy. Yeah, I, I can't imagine it to be easy either. Um, it can't have been. But you have a fur baby now, so there's something too. Um, yeah, she takes a lot of attention, a lot of cuddles. <laughs> of course. I'd, I always knew I'd fall in love with a blonde eventually. I'm happy it was her. That's awesome. Um, no, wishing you the best of luck in the future, uh, obviously with the relationship as well. And uh, we'll accept, we'll expect our invites in the mail. Um, and yeah, we'll make the trip out there. Okay. Maybe you can pick up your sizzle sticks, t-shirts and this. Uh, oh, Hey, hypothetically, hypothetically, if hypothetically. they were to ever, ever be at, an, at a venue or a place that could be a place that they could be. Yeah. I mean, Hey, I have a whole hypothetical sizzle six stall selling, you know, merch that not supposed to be sold, but again, hypothetical. <laughs> hey, it's not, it wouldn't be a dream hack though. Right. So Dream hack. You get your hands up. I'm just like shadow box of a dream hack now just trying to evade. <laughs> just, just strong sliding away from the. Hey, you know, Charlotte is right around the corner. It so. is. Yeah. But I've also, tr we're trying to nail and lock down Will first before I ever commit. It's true. Yeah, Throw Will. shade at him. Yeah, yeah. Throw yeah. shade at him. Yeah. That's Will. For anybody watching this, December, whenever it might be middle of December, maybe 15th. I'm just picking around the page. Don't, <laughs> don't judge me. Um, Will has not yet didn't even know when the next Halo event actually was. So oh, really calling me out here. Him, if we can pressure him in YouTube comments on socials, just absolutely fucking light him up. <laughs> sure he's there in February. Thank you very much. Great. You know, we're in the off season. I was taking a little bit of a break, but yeah, I will. Uh, I'll get myself yeah, in line but here. You see, we were at the World Championships, folks, and Will wasn't there. That wasn't the off season, folks. So everybody, <laughs> get on. Just light him up if you can, please. Thank you very much. All right, all right. that's that's deserved. And, but hey, you know, because we're not about shitting on people online, Shirzy. So let's say respectfully. No, we're, I'm totally about shitting on oh, people. Oh, God online. damn it. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I wanted to do. That's what, what my whole goal was here. It's fine. For Bring it record, on. He said this. Bring it me. on, people. Let's go. Oh, shit. <laughs> um, Shirzy, to close this out, what are you up to and where can people find you? Um, I'm. Up to right now, um, I have a couple of FIFA gigs lined up over the next couple of days that I'm really excited to sink my teeth into during the off-season because it's getting quite lonely out here in, in Ireland with very little going on in the Halo side of things. So yeah, at Sherzy1, S-H-E-R-Z-Y-O-N-E on your socials if you're looking for me. Every now and again, I'll throw out a nugget of valuable information, but for the most part, it's shit posts. Yeah, so find me there if you're in any way, shape, or form interested. And they're really good memes too, so you should definitely follow them. They're, they're great. Um, and then also, Shirzy, do me a favor and tell Dan to hurry the fuck up and respond to me in, in DMs. That'd be great. Okay. I can, I can do that. Perfect. Yeah. Thank you. Um, ladies and gentlemen, this has been Shirzy. Shirzy, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us. I know it's been a long time coming. I know it's all my fault. And I respect that. I take on that responsibility. But uh, this is something that, like I said, I've been wanting to do this for a really, really long time. Um, I think that... You're one of the best people within the scene and I always value what you say on the cast and I just can't wait to see what you do in the future. Obviously I hope it's always within halo and obviously expanding whatever you want to do in the future as well. But thank you for taking the time to talk with us. It's been an absolute pleasure. 
thanks so much friends it was um it was good fun getting on here and chatting finally eventually we got here um yeah super thankful to you guys and even just the community um at large for putting up with me over the last year and hopefully i'm not going anywhere in any sort of hurry but again i super appreciate everybody who walked up to me at the events um shook my hand told me i've done a good job asked me to sign stuff which is super surreal to me because I don't feel like my signature adds any value of any matter of fact, it might depreciate some things, but super thankful to everybody and make no mistake about it. I'm um, super humbled by it all and super appreciative to find myself in this position. So thank you, everybody.